Good morning. I just want to pray. God, we just thank you that uh, we can be here this morning. All that you've already done, that you do make a way where there's no, looks like there is no way to go. You are able to do that. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you make a, a way into our heart to receive all it is that you have for us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you indwell us as believers. Lord, do all that you want to do this morning as you already have, and I just pray that um, you guide and direct all that takes place from here on. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have you turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. The title of this message, I would say, is Following, Following Without Falling. Following Without Falling. I mean, that's, that's uh, that's the goal that we have as believers and you know, sometimes we can find ourselves drifting. Um, and sometimes we have maybe short-term goals for our lives as believers, but do we have a big-picture goal of what it is that God wants to do in our lives as believers? And a lot of it sometimes doesn't take place because we fail to cooperate with what God wants to do through us. He's, he has, he saved you for a reason. Um, he's given you eternal life, and yet there is a work to do. There is something that God wants each one of us to do. He calls us to a particular church, I believe, and he has a purpose for us to function in that church as each one of us is a, is a member in particular. And um, before I read the section here, you know, Paul had two things. He had an unquenchable desire to know Christ, an unquenchable desire to know Christ, not to know about him, because you can read the Bible and kind of know about Jesus, but he had unquenchable desire to know him, you know, that I may know him, the fellowship of his sufferings. And each one of us is at a different place of knowing him, not knowing about him, but knowing him and getting closer to him. And it, it never ends. I mean, like all of a sudden we've arrived and we've, we know all there is to know about Jesus. And it's to know him, to know, to sense him, to sense his presence. As we sang this morning, his presence is here. To know what he would do in certain situations as, we, as his spirit shows us and as his word is in our mind and to getting to know him more and more. I mean, sometimes I just feel like we're scratching the surface to knowing him. And I guess that's what heaven will be all about, getting to know him more and more, Jesus Christ. Even the disciples, when... John thought he knew him in the book of Revelation. When he saw him, he fell down flat on his face to know that this is, this is the Christ. This is the, the Messiah. This is, the, this is our Savior. And, and also, so he had unquenchable desire to know Christ and an unstoppable determination to follow. 
He had an unstoppable determination to follow Jesus Christ. That was the Apostle Paul. And so we can say, well, that's Paul, but that's not me. And obviously, yeah, we're not, we're not Paul. We didn't go to the third heaven and see God, see Jesus. But the thing is, do I have an unstoppable determination to follow him? What I want to say this morning is that, that we can be saved. We can be believers. We have salvation. There's that. And then there's followers of him. There's a difference. Because there's a lot of people who are saved, who are, who are born again, but they don't follow Jesus. They kind of like, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I know it's by grace. But then when, when Jesus wants to work in their life, in other words, how many times you read in the gospel, he, was, he would turn to people and say, follow me. Some people would follow, and some people wouldn't. And those were his disciples. And so what are we to do? Go and make disciples in all the world. We can't make a disciple unless we're a disciple, unless we're a follower of him. Perfect? No. Make mistakes? Yes. Fragile? Yeah. Per- not, not perfect, but that we, we want to follow him because we believe that he has the best plan as, believe, as a believer. And yet we fight against that. Our flesh, as we'll see this morning, really, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to follow him that way. And that's something that's between you and the Lord. There's a verse in um, Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, this is Paul, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. You were called by the Lord. Here's Paul saying, the prisoner of the Lord. I'm in prison. I'm in prison with him. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I am shackled to him and what it is that he wants to do. You know something? Because when it's all said and done and you get to heaven, it's all going to be worth it. Amen? What he asks you to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. Perfect? No, but you, you know, the righteous fall seven times and they get up. They dust themselves up. And so that's what we do. We make mistakes, but we're determined to follow him because there is nothing else. There's no greater thing then when you are following him the best that you can and, and the joy of doing that, it's not a hardship. There's a joy to it. There's a release to that. The things that we hold on to are shackles. He wants to give us freedom. And we sang one of the first songs we sang this morning, you know, that um, I lay down my life. You know, it's like gulp. Am I willing to lay down my life for him to do what he wants to do in my life? And every one of us is in a different place, and we have to wrestle with that. My life and what I want versus what he wants. Sometimes we fool ourselves. We, we, we kind of trick ourselves in our mind to say, well, yeah, this is God's will. I know it is. We're only doing that to convince ourselves because it's not really true. But we, we don't like the, the, uh, the other side of that, having to think about that. So those are the things you have to wrestle out with the Lord. And so um, Jesus calls us to, fo- to follow him and how to avoid those pitfalls, how to avoid landing in a ditch, you know, as, we, as we're following him. So I want to read in, in chapter 3, starting verse 14. 
I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. And these are the verses I want to cover. Verse 60, and nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is in their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So, verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. The first point I have here is live up to what you have. It's a challenge to live up to what you have in Christ. If you read the book of Ephesians, you see what you have in Christ. Once you know what you have in Christ, you didn't earn it, he gave it to you. It gives you a peace inside of you. It's not something where, I know how I was brought up with religion, it was always striving, always striving, not by the spirit, but in the flesh, to do the works so that God would be pleased with me and be, ha and be happy with me when in fact he loves me regardless. Amen. He's not going to love me as a believer any, no matter what I do, he, he, yeah, he loves me as a child, He'll, he will train me, but he doesn't love me any less when I fail or when I succeed. Our mind has a hard time grasping that because that is what grace is, and we still sometimes have a problem receiving that because of how we've been brought up, what we've learned as a Christian. But legalism will cause you to strive to do things to please God. Not that we don't do things, but we're, we're, it's in the energy of the flesh. The life that he wants us to live is a life controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what it empowers us. That's the fuel for our life, is the Holy Spirit. It's not our power. It's not our strength. So that, that, first, that first point there was live up to what you have. It's a challenge to live in light of what you have already attained. You have far more than you think. Sometimes you read the Bible and go, oh my goodness, I have that too? And, and that also? And this is what he's done for me? You're continually learning of the promises that God has for you as a believer. And I just put down some of them this morning, things that you know, but you need to be reminded first and foremost that you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. It says in Hebrews 10, his, your sins and iniquities he remembers no more. He remembers no more. How can God forget? He chooses to forget, okay? He chooses to forget. He, doesn't see, he sees you as sinless. He sees you through the blood of Christ, if you're a believer. He doesn't see your sins anymore. Sometimes we, we, we're all vulnerable to this. We do something, we fail, we sin, and you're like pulling your hair out. I can't believe I did that. I, I, you're condemning yourself. You're feeling horrible. Yeah, he died for that sin too. He, everything that's coming in the future, he died for that too. It doesn't make light of your sin. It just makes you realize he covered everything, past, present, and future. I probably said that 
30 times in the last two months, but it's a reality. And here we are. We go to this place. The flesh comes in. Condemnation comes in. Guilt comes in. And we get paralyzed. He paid for it already. Problem is, if you switch that up a little bit, it's like because there's a piece of unbelief in there that we don't believe it, we reap the effects of that. And so what we're actually saying, is getting right down to it, is I don't believe what he did was enough for my, for my sin that I just did, uh, I'm going to do tomorrow morning. He, he, that wasn't enough. Yeah, he forgave me all my past sins. Now I got to deal with present and future, and that's where I stumble. When Jesus said it's finished, that was a big word. <laughs> the finishing is like total, complete, forever. There's nothing you can add to your salvation. The alternative is to receive justice. You want justice? God will give you justice. But we don't have to face that justice. He's given us mercy. He's given us mercy. Another thing, he's given us the new birth. We're born again. I remember when I first got saved, people would say to you, are you a born-again Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. Are you born, one of those born-again people? There is no other Christian but one that's been born again. And they were like, oh, what do you mean? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, Jesus said. Marvel not, you must be born again. We're born by the water, that's the human birth, and by the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. You may not feel the same thing someone else does at that moment, but if you've received Christ, and you believe he's forgiven your sins, and you receive him, you turn to him, then and then and there, you are born again. How you feel after that, you'll experience in different ways. Some people, there's no reaction, and yet they're born again. And other people, it's totally different. You can't doubt that. The other thing we have is we are in God's family, Ephesians 1.6. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You are in God's family. You're royalty. You're royalty. You, be, you were a beggar on the street, and now you're adopted by the king. Amen. I say hallelujah to that. Hallelujah. A beggar in the street, and now you've been adopted by the king. You need these promises in you because these are the things that keep you anchored. When the storms come and when the accusations come, you know what you already have. You've been given the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. The Holy Spirit's there to guide us, points us the way, comforts us, and encourages us. We haven't been left alone. When you get saved, you get a package, 
And that package is the Holy Spirit, and he guides and directs you if you allow him to, let me say. Our problem is we want to direct our own life. We think we have a better plan. We think we've had it, we got to figure it out. Well, I don't really, I don't think so. That's not going to work because of this, this, this. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's a, it's a life of faith. All of a sudden, because of the Holy Spirit, you have insight into God's word, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. He will teach you the truth through this word, through the Bible. You ever, the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him. So you tell somebody who's not a believer here, read the Bible. It's going to be foolishness to him. It only can be interpreted. It's been written by the Holy Spirit. And it can only be interpreted through the Holy Spirit. And that's what opens it up to open up for us. And so we have, he's given us the spirit, so now we can understand his word. And sometimes you start off with little pieces. I remember just coming out of the Catholic Church and I, and I had um, the Good News Bible. It was a kind of an English version of, I don't, I don't really know what it was, but that's all I had. I didn't, have, I didn't really have a church. I didn't really have any other believers around me. I don't even, I mean, I know how I got saved, but I really don't know how I got saved. No one ever witnessed to me. I was just seeking. I was down and out, and I was seeking truth. That just shows you God can reach anybody. Doesn't matter where they're at. I didn't have any born-again Christians around me. I had nobody, and I just got thought I was getting really religious. And so I started reading that Good News Bible, and then um, I got set free because once I started reading the Bible... And I went to the church and I said, how come you've never talked about this stuff? And he says, you probably should find another place to go to church. Because in my mind, I know either he's going to be right and this is wrong, or this is right and he's wrong. And once what he said, what he said, I know he's wrong, this is right. And I, that was it. Praise God. So there's no stopping God when he wants to, when he's working. Amen. Also, 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We've been given an advocate to make intercession to the Father for us. An advocate. Someone who speaks on our behalf. One person says, Satan is our accuser, Jesus is our advocate. Satan is our accuser, and Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our advocate. Why? Because he excuses us because of the blood that he shed. He doesn't accuse us. We're excused because of the blood. Holy Spirit has to give you insight into that. Otherwise, you're going to walk, you're going to walk in a, in a walk that's going to be performance-based. And you're going to, if you operate that way, after a while you'll burn out. Because you're, you're, you're going to find yourself trying to please God. 
um, and we want to please God, but you're going to find yourself failing and you're not going to be able to deal with the failure. And a lot of people run into that. They just give up. It's not God's fault. It's the way they're seeing things. And that's why it's important to learn, you know, the right doctrines. And the last thing is um, he gives us spiritual weapons. Ephesians 6, spiritual weapons to defeat the enemy. Read, read Ephesians 6 when you get a chance. I'm not going to go into it, but he gives us weapons to defeat the enemy. You can't defeat the enemy in your own strength. The enemy is Satan himself and demons. They will come at you, and when you have the sword, which is the word of God, and you have all those equipment, the helmet, salvation, you have all these different things. The, the breastplate, it's to protect you. And that's what protects us. He, so he's given us a package, and that's just some of the things that God has given us. Just a reminder. The second point I want to I wanna say is, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as you have us for examples. The point is, Follow those who follow Christ. You're not following a man, but you're following the God in the man or the person. Follow those that follow Christ. Timothy had Paul. The disciples had Jesus. Follow those who follow God. Isn't it interesting that, well, to recognize that God has given us living examples for us to know how to follow him. That's why you need church. Does church save you? No. But your growth will be stunted without church because there are going to be people in your life that are going to be examples for you in the Christian faith. I would have never been able to grow unless I had those examples in front of me. People who knew more than I did about the Bible, and who had walked longer with the Lord, so I could see, actually with my eyes, how this thing works. They say this, let me watch how they live their life. And they were examples to me, godly examples. And there, there are handfuls in here of godly examples of men and women who, if you're a new believer, you, you get around there'll be examples and you will be able to grow as part of your growth package as you watch and follow as they follow God. That's not cultic. That's not like following a man. You're not following me. If you're looking at me, you want to follow the God that's in me. And in every single one of you, it's the same thing. I'm just giving this as an example. Follow God that's in that person. And so... 1 Corinthians 11.1. Let's just say this together. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That was Paul. Imitate me as I follow Christ. In other words, you don't know how to do this, and so watch. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you learn anything, right? If you Back in the old days, before they had technical schools, if you wanted to be a plumber or an electrician, you were an apprentice. You watched someone and you were around them. As a believer, I can remember certain people, you know, I watched them, 
how they prayed. Not that I'm going to pray like them, but how you pray. How to... I remember someone taking me immediately for whatever reason God had and just taking me out on the street and witnessing the people and just watching how that is done. And God used that in my life. Paul was an example to follow as he followed Christ. Just take one step back here. It's interesting how we can trust God for our eternal destiny. We can trust him for our eternal destiny, where we're going to spend eternity. We can trust him for that. But what happens is we can't trust him enough to follow him here. It doesn't even make sense. We can trust him for our salvation and trust him that I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in him. I can trust him for my eternal destiny. I have trust in him for that, but I don't have trust in him right now to follow him. It doesn't make sense. That's how strong the flesh is. That's how strong the evil one is. You'd say, why wouldn't I do that if I'm going to trust him for salvation forever but I can't trust them to follow him now. So what happens is we just, we just need to grow in his love. We just need to grow in knowing that this one, if I follow him, I know that he loves me and I know that he has the best plan. I have to believe that. He's not going to lead you down a dark alley and just dump you there and walk away. God doesn't do that. He loves us. Just a couple more examples. Philippians 4.9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul speaking. Those things which you've learned, received, and heard and saw in me, those are examples. That's why, that's why we need a body. That's why you need a church. Because those things happen when you watch people. Hopefully, you want to be a good example to somebody. Sometimes there's been people who have been in bad examples. And some people go, they use it as an excuse. Well, if Christians are like that, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that church. And they use that as an excuse, even though it does happen. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 9, not because we, have not, we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. It almost sounds, if you were looking at that, that sounds cultic, like follow me, follow me. Follow the one who's following God. Follow the one who's following Christ. You're not going to go wrong. Because we all need to continue to learn. I need to see things in your life that maybe aren't working in mine to say, okay, that works and how they did that, and, 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 and what took place there. Because it's God who's working in you, and he's using people. And that's the, that's the problem that we have. God, I want you to do it. I don't want to learn through people. Because people I don't trust. And people I've been hurt by, and that's true. But you're a new, you're a new creation. You've been born again, right? What was before is not what you are now. So you have a new capacity to be able to do these things. But in your mind, you'll say, I can't do that because I, I can't. 
I can't trust people. And sometimes people will let you down, and they will let you down. People in a church will let you down. But is that going to stop you? Not everybody's that way. You're going to see godly people who you can have as an example. One person said, others will encourage us when we're down, challenge us from complacency. When you're getting complacent, someone comes along and challenges you, admonish you if you stray. That's what a true brother and sister will do. If you start to stray, I hope someone says something to me or to you, or just let them, oh, let them do what they want to do. You know, that's, that's their life. No. It's just like, I mean, and there's, sometimes you, you uh, confront that, and people don't like you for that, but that's love. And what happens? Sometimes they fall into a ditch and they never get out. And then you wonder, I wonder if I should have said something. I've had that happen to me. Or I've seen something and I knew I need to address that because I care about the person. That's what a church does. Admonish if we stray and rebuke if we, back, if we backslide. I mean, Paul was always saying reprove, rebuke, exhort. Those are the parts of the Bible we just, oh, that's not love. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That sounds kind of harsh. No, it's not. Sometimes we need a tough word. Amen? We need something to come along just like we do with our children. We didn't just soft pedal everything with them. Hey, you're, you're, in the, you're doing the wrong thing here. Whether they respond or not, now take it outside of the home. Whether the person responds, that's not going to be your responsibility. But all you did was try to address it. In Hebrews, I'm just giving you these verses, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Basically, stimulate others. Let us consider one another. As you follow Christ, and they're watching you, and they're following you as you follow Christ, and you are stimulating people in the spiritual thing, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but you're going to be part of their rewards of what goes on in their life because you were part of what made them what they were. It's all a piece of everything. I can't, I can't look back on my life and say, oh, which people influenced me? There's so many people that came along, different speakers I heard. All was a part of God's plan. Bottom line is, we need help. <laughs> and we need each other. If you say, I don't need anybody's help, then you're in a tough place because I'm not saying God's grace couldn't get you to where you have to go, but God has a plan to use people in your life. That's what making disciples is. Trying to be a part of someone's life that they'll become a follower. Not just a believer, but a follower of him. And the third point here, the last point, is um, recognize. So we, we now know recognize those that we should follow. And then now we're going to look at those, recognize those who will oppose us from following. Verse 18, for many, for many walk of whom I've told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ 
whose end is destruction, whose God is in their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Not everyone is going to rejoice in us following Christ. If you haven't discovered that, you probably will. Not everybody's going to rejoice in that. There's going to be opposition. I'm sure you can speak for yourself. I can speak for my own, my own life. Those people that were unsaved, they basically just abandoned me. Okay, we liked you when you were doing that, but because you're not doing that anymore, we really don't like you anymore. <laughs> and that was hard to swallow because sometimes these are lifelong friends. But I knew as I was being taught the Bible, don't yoke up, up, un, don't yoke up with unbelievers. I want to seek unbelievers, seek, help them get saved, but don't be hanging around with them all your time with unbelievers because they'll drag you down. There's people that, that can't make that break, and that's why they have difficulty and they stop following him. They may be saved, but they never walk into God's plan for their life because they are yoked up still with unbelievers. Well, you know, they're my friends and I can't, you know, just, yeah, they're your friends and you can witness to them, but all your time hanging around them, no, it's not going to work. You're not going to grow spiritually. You need to be around believers. In other words, God's going to give you new friends, new close friends. Family members, you can't really change that because you're living, you're living right with them. They're around you. We must recognize and prepare for those who will oppose us. Ephesians 5.15 Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Our lifestyle. Don't God has given you enough of the Holy Spirit to empower you so that you don't have to compromise with people. What happens is we end up compromising with people because, I mean, we're all different here. I'm just telling you the way I was. To me, it was like, I'm just kind of like black and white. It's like, okay, you don't want to be with me? Fine. I know God has something else. And so what ends, what, what ends up happening, I was not going to compromise myself. Not saying they did it perfectly. It took a while to realize, okay, this is going to drag me down as I continue to hang out and you know, kind of do what they're doing, but not really enjoying it anymore. I had to make that break. So does it really matter? Does it really, really matter what people think? Not really. All that matters is what God thinks. In the end, in the final, final end, all that's going to matter is what Jesus Christ thinks about your life. Those people who criticize me, I mean, there was a guy when I worked for the state, I, I worked for the state, was, um, I got saved my first eight years, I left and then I came back. This guy could not get off of me because he says a leopard can never change its spots. And I would be on Main Street walking back from my break, he'd be on the other side, and he'd be yelling that out right in public. He was so infuriated that I was different. He wouldn't believe, and he was a strong religious person. He couldn't believe the transformation was real. And he didn't like me for it. Yeah. That ends up being his problem, not mine. 
It says in verse 18, For many, many walk of whom I've told you often now, even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Remember the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is an offense to many, a symbol of suffering and sacrifice. It's a way of selflessness. Galatians 6.14 But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Crucified means dead. God, I want to be totally dead to the world. Not to, the, not to people, but to the world's way of thinking and doing things. Dead. It means absolutely, that means you can't enjoy life, but you have to be discerning what is, what is of the world system and you know, what, what isn't trying to influence me in such a way that's going to bring me down. Um, basically, we have a self-centered society. Values of the cross are the exact opposite of, world, of the world's values. People will reject you outright. You follow him, and you follow, you know, not living for yourself anymore. It's totally contrary to a selfish world system. You're wasting your life. You're a fool. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you live that way? Because you see something greater, amen? You see something greater in front of you than anything the world has to offer. I don't know about you, but that's what I was searching for. I was searching for something that the world couldn't give me. I kept searching and looking. Oh, that doesn't work. I'm not happy. I'm kind of depressed, actually. I don't, I don't enjoy this. I would go silent for days, just empty. And God, by his mercy and grace, he found me. And he gave me that hope and he gave me that joy that nothing in the world could give me. The pleasures of the world are temporary. You'll get pleasure, but it'll be short-lived and then it rips you off. Yeah, I think I'll try that. You go and do it and it's like horrible. It wasn't like it was before when you weren't saved and you did it. It's not the same pleasure. Because not know why you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit gets quenched, and you can tell, I shouldn't be doing this. And those, it says in verse 19, basically those who pervert Christianity, adding or subtracting from the gospel, their teaching perverts the truth about the cross. Yeah, we don't want to talk about the cross. We don't want to mention that. We want a Christianity without the cross. Just be good people, love people. Death to self? No. That's kind of like a gospel that's all over the place. Why do, I, why do I have to die to myself? We've been trained from the beginning to be, be most concerned about ourselves. If I don't do it, who's going who's gonna to do it? There's a ton of books out there to, to promote that too. Their, destin their destiny says is destruction. Basically, these are not true believers. What does it say that, <clears throat> excuse me, 
whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. God is their belly, just meaning when our appetites become obsessions, food, recreation, pleasure, sex, all these things, we have an appetite for these things, and it can't be fulfilled, but that's basically how we fill ourselves with, with those bodily things. And Paul's saying, those things are not what you want. Their God is their appetites. Their God is, is those things that they are seeking. It says in verse 19, their glory is in their shame. They're proud of what they should be ashamed of. Look at the shocking behavior that's all around us. It's shocking. And yet it's like, no, this is normal. I have a hard time living in this world. I do. I don't know about you, but it aggravates me. And that's the way it's gonna, it is. I mean, it's just like you, the sin is right in your face. And I'm not bowing down to it, and I'm not giving into that, because I know, and you know, and it's just like, God, keep me balanced in this. I want to love people and hate the sin. i got to separate them. You're seeing things that we've never seen before openly, and now you need to accept it. You need to accept that. And you know the things in your mind. I don't have to go through all the different things that are out there, that this is the new norm. Glory is in their shame. They're proud of what they should be ashamed of. They mind earthly things. Living for today. They're not interested in eternity. Eternity? I'm living for today. I'm not worried about that. Hey, you know, you heard people say, when I die, hey, I'll go to a place, everybody will be there, have a nice party. No, it says they're going to be alone in an endless pit, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing means, means you're angry on top of it. Gnashing, the pain, the anger, and it never, ever, 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 ever going to end. That's the destiny. That's how you have to see people. And that's why you want to share the gospel with them, because that's where they're headed. They're headed towards a godless eternity, and it's never going to end. My mind can't get wrapped around like a million, a trillion, a quadrillion. It's going to go on and on. Not interested. Don't accept that philosophy. And these people need Christ. So here was Paul. Basically... Remember those, remember who you are in Christ and live up to that. Remember who you are in Christ. You are amazing in God's eyes, what his son did for you. Follow those who can lead you to be more like Christ. That's a choice you have to make. Do I want to be around these people or do I want to be around these people? then watch out for the enemies of the cross. They're going to try to discourage you. Occupy ourselves with these things. And I was just thinking all week, like, oh my goodness, what we have in Christ, what he's done for us. 
should make us fly out of our seat, how he's rescued us and what he's done for us. And uh, so I'm going to have you stand, and this song will push you to the limit, <laughs> but you'll see the words. And uh, this is the kind of joy we're thinking of when we think about heaven and what he's done for us.